When I joined the company, there was no one here but me that really understood digital. And 10 months later, we launched the site. And then COVID hit and the whole world went upside down. And we literally went from a couple hundred orders to several thousand orders on a regular basis. It may seem like every company in the world has a direct-to-consumer offering, but even now, there are businesses that are just entering the D2C space. Purdue Farms launched its D2C presence in January of 2020, and it has been a wild ride ever since. On this episode of Up Next in Commerce, David Zucker, the CMO and SVP of e-commerce at Purdue Farms, explained the steps he took to get this effort going and how the company is experimenting with the online customer experience. Plus, he explains how Purdue balances its B2C efforts with the relationship it has with its retail partners, which could be in conflict if you don't go about it the right way. According to David, the key to making sure that you can both succeed online and in retail is to have transparency, communication, and a differentiation of offerings that will link both kinds of experiences. So what does that look like exactly? Find out on this episode. Really quick, I want to say thank you, thank you to our awesome sponsor, Salesforce Commerce Cloud. And I'm going to allow them to give you the inside scoop into some of the findings from their most recent State of Commerce report. Hi, this is John from Salesforce. Did you know that companies of all sizes and industries power their digital customer journeys with Commerce Cloud? Salesforce Commerce Cloud delivers B2B and B2C commerce, as well as order management around the globe. And with Commerce Cloud, you can engage with your customers anywhere and personalize interactions everywhere. Scale and innovate with ease and drive some serious growth for your business. And speaking of innovation, we recently surveyed nearly 1,400 commerce leaders and analyzed the consumer shopping and business buying behavior of more than 1 billion customers worldwide. And we uncovered emerging trends that will influence how companies can be successful and stay ahead in this ever-evolving landscape. To check out the trends we discovered, go to sfdc.co slash commerceinsights. That's sfdc.co slash commerceinsights, one word. Before we dive into this episode, I was hoping you could please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps spread the word about the show, and I would really love it. So please, let me know how I'm doing and give me a rating, give me a review. Let us know. All right, enjoy the episode. everyone. Welcome to another episode of Up Next in Commerce. This is Stephanie Postles, your host and CEO at Mission.org. Today on the show, we have David Zucker, who's the Chief Marketing Officer and SVP of e-commerce at Purdue Farms. David, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. I'm excited. I think this interview is going to make me a bit hungry, so I'm fully preparing for stomach rumbling, noises, just in case you hear it. Just be prepared. That's good. Well, we're hungry for chicken too here. Yeah. So I want to talk a bit about your background before getting into Purdue Farms. I saw that you've worked at some pretty awesome places before from Vita Costa, Omaha Steaks. And I wanted to hear a little bit about your journey and your past. So if I take you all the way back, I've got a doctorate in economics and really decided when I was kind of getting my PhD that I did not want to go teach because I wanted to work kind of in business and in industry and, and really took the math part of my economics training and applied it in marketing and kind of used that to grow kind of throughout my career. The parts of the organization I ended up kind of being successful in were the analytics parts of the marketing organization. And then those part of the organizations became larger parts and more important in the organization as marketing became more digitally focused and more metrics driven. 
And so the companies that I ended up kind of gravitating to and being more successful at, like the ones you mentioned, Vitacost, Omaha Steaks, were ones that were either online or had big direct marketing uh, businesses where analytics really is the driver of their marketing programs. I got it. So what drew you to Purdue Farms? Two things. One is I'm originally from the East Coast and um, my wife and I just kind of wanted to get back here. Our children are in this part of the, of the country. Our families are in this part of the country. So that's one thing. But professionally, when I was looking around wanting to get back to the East Coast, and I had joined the company not as the marketing leader, but as the person to help them build a digital strategy, there were a lot of things that I was finding through my research at Purdue that I had never realized Purdue did, and specifically about the care and focus that it had in in raising its chickens and how it looked at husbandry. And, you know, it was interesting, the more I thought about it, it was that, you know, it's a family-run company and it's one that with family-run businesses, they tend to think longer term as opposed to kind of public companies, which think kind of quarterly. And so I saw a lot of that long-term thinking and a lot of the decisions that were on the website and the way that they were making decisions around what to invest in. And it was really intriguing. And I think, you know, my, based on my background and the things that interest me, you know, being at a company that really takes kind of care and consideration with how it raises an animal for food, that's really important. The way that they treat their associates was, was also kind of top-notch. And I was like, sounds like a great place to go work. Yeah. I mean, I know I mentioned this before, but you know, I grew up in Salisbury, which is where they started. And always hearing about like the career paths there and how they treat their employees, even seeing the marketing materials they would put out, it wouldn't always be about their actual business. Sometimes it would be highlighting different employees and like the things that they were doing and how they're helping the community. And so I definitely grew up always thinking about them. What was it like shifting into a company that you said family run? I think it's been around for a hundred years or maybe a little bit over a hundred years at this point. What was that like shifting into a company like that? So I came from a company that actually was just, we celebrated a hundred years at Omaha steak. So for me, okay. actually it was pretty easy coming to the company. Mm-hmm. We're at Purdue's 101 years old this year, which is fantastic. It's great. And I think what's really exciting is that at Purdue, there are several generations that work in the business. So Jim Purdue is, is still a very active chairman and there are four or five fourth generation family members that work in the company. And so it's really great. And some of them work on our direct-to-consumer team and are really active and it's fantastic. The really exciting part about working in in a company of this size, looking at it from a family perspective, is that regardless of how big the company has achieved over the last kind of, let's say, 10 or 15 years, there's a small feeling about it, which I think is really a testament to kind of the, the senior leadership and how They've been guiding and, and, and channeling the organization and, and making sure that that's not being lost. And so still very active in the community, very active in all the communities, actually, that we have uh, locations at. That's really great to see that that's been kept up as the company's grown in size. Yeah, I love that. So you were the first e-commerce executive, I think, ever hired by the company. So I want to hear, you know, what were you expecting from the role and what were you most excited to get into? Well, it was a pretty interesting interview process. The job description was something like this. We kind of want to get into the digital thing. And so I was like, okay, that sounds like a pretty interesting thing to to try and help you with. The exciting part was, is that there was a lot of uncertainty. And personally and professionally, I like that. 
And the other thing is, is that Purdue didn't really know what they didn't know or what they wanted. And so they needed someone that was comfortable in that ambiguity. And so coming in and kind of first understanding what the company had already done, how they were already thinking about it, because they had already done, you know, several years worth of kind of insights and research and, you know, starts and stops of thinking about different things, just given what e-commerce had been doing over the last kind of 10 years, it, it made sense. So kind of coming in and getting a good understanding of the landscape and kind of how the company has been approaching things and, and then figuring out where our strengths are, leveraging where are the things that Purdue can probably you know, invest in or think about from a digital perspective and understand um, how they can gain out of it was a big part of kind of developing that strategy, which ultimately ended up into kind of three primary pillars. One is e-commerce. We launched our website kind of officially to consumers in January of 2020, right before COVID started. The second pillar is very much around using all of the digital properties that Purdue has to support the retail businesses that we supply chicken to. And so ultimately, we don't care where people buy Purdue chicken as long as they buy Purdue chicken. And so if someone comes to any of our digital properties, we ultimately want them to you know, leave that experience with a Purdue purchase. And so if we can get them over to one of our customers like Kroger or Walmart or Stop and Shop, then we definitely want to advocate for that. And then the third pillar was really around using our digital platform to be able to test new products. Mm -hmm. And so because through our e-commerce platform, we would have a direct relationship with consumers and we innovate, we have an innovation center here and we develop you know, all of our own product. The idea of having direct relationships with our consumers would give us much faster feedback in that process and do different tests. So we could get fast feedback on not only people's preferences and taste for the product, but also kind of willingness to pay and their impact on promotions. And so things that would help some of our trade teams when they interact with the sales and uh, buyers at our customers. Mm -hmm. So then I want to go back to the first pillar, talking about launching the website. I mean, what did that look like launching in January 2020 and then COVID's hitting and then also trying to figure out what do you want to put on that website? Do you want to do a direct-to-consumer thing? Do you want to just focus on your retail partners? Seems like there's a lot of things to think about. What did it look like behind the scenes? So when I joined the company, there was no one here but me kind of that really understood digital. And 10 months later, we launched the site. So we launched it actually in late November as a soft launch and then officially went live with consumers in January. So we had to hire a team. We built it internally. And so during that whole process of building it, also developing the strategy. Okay. Purdue has other brands of protein besides just Purdue. And so one of the things we thought about was is that people are, if they're coming to the website to buy Purdue chicken, maybe they would buy the other products, the other brands of the company would sell. So there was a conversation kind of with the leaders of those businesses as well about putting their brands on the website. Product placement, imagery is something that we're, you know, we're still working through. You know, this is, it's a small operation and, you know, all those things are really important. So we very much started in January with something that we thought was going to be kind of a first draft, something more of a, like a, not a proof of concept, but, but a little more than that. Mm -hmm. And then COVID hit and the whole world went upside down. And we literally went from, you know, a couple hundred orders to several thousand orders, you know, on a, on a regular basis. 
that was really scary. And it kind of blew up our logistics partner. And so during that whole time, we actually had to change logistics partners because the original one couldn't send out the volume that we were generating, which was new for, you know, a young team here that really didn't have a lot of direct to consumer experience at all. We were changing, you know, partners, the building of the website, the creative, the research we did on the name was all something that, you know, we took really seriously because as a branded company, it's something that we are, you know, we're really cons- concerned is, is the wrong word. We're just kind of focused on what we call ourselves, what the consumer perception and perspective is of that, and also where there's any channel conflict. And so, you know, the website that we use, we actually repurposed our corporate website, which was purduefarms.com. And we kind of folded the corporate information under part of the tab structure that we use on Purdue Farms, but we made PurduFarms.com because of all the things we tested, that's the one that resonated the best with the consumer mm-hmm. as a place to come and purchase protein products from us. But there was a lot of research done on that in terms of what to call it, as well as the impact it could potentially have on other brands that we sell. Yeah. So when you're thinking about how to draw in consumers, I mean, COVID obviously probably sent a lot of new ones your way. But if that wasn't there and you're thinking like today, maybe how do I draw in new customers? I mean, what are the biggest functions that maybe pull people in? Like when I went to the website, I'm like, oh, there's good deals. If you buy here, I can get like a 10 pack. I've got kids. We need this much chicken. It could be fine. But like, what did you find out that customers cared about to get them to come and order directly from you? Well, the first thing is, is that we're not the cheapest alternative. So I think, you know, versus a lot of other e-commerce sites, you know, this is not the place where you're going to come and get Purdue chicken for less expensive than you can buy in any of your retail stores. And we do that very specifically. We're not trying to undercut our customers. And it was a big conversation that we had with our customers. So what we do is we provide bundles. So you can come and buy onesies and twosies of things, but it's going to be much more expensive at a per item level. Plus you have to pay for shipping. Mm -hmm. And so the benefit really that we found with our consumers is where you give them, you know, it's more of like a value of giving them a lot of one thing or two things. So you know, our organic chicken breast packages are our big sellers. Our multi-protein packages are big sellers. We just launched seafood and desserts on the website that are not Purdue branded. There are other brands and they're doing really well. And we offer it nationally. And so that's the other thing is that we found that there were people all over the country that were really interested in the message that Purdue had that kind of found us maybe through COVID that have stayed with us where Purdue chicken products aren't, you know, our raw non-prepared products aren't readily available Mm -hmm. because Purdue is primarily an Eastern brand, like East of the Mississippi. It's not as well known kind of, you know, mid part of the country and West. And so that message that we have does seem to be resonating with, with customers outside of, of the Eastern kind of seaboard. Got it. Were there any surprises once you launched the website and you got to see, you know, what customers were ordering, how they interacted with it? Was there anything surprising around that? Um, not really. I think the biggest surprise that we had and probably, you know, we think that kind of everybody else was having it at the same time with COVID is just the significant change in the economics of acquiring customers online changed overnight. And so while it was very efficient for a really long time, COVID changed that. And so it's very, it's gotten extremely competitive, much more competitive than it was, you know, before COVID, partly because everybody that kind of was in an e-commerce business is stronger now. 
everybody that was thinking about doing an e-commerce business was like, okay, now's the time to do it. And the people that were kind of failing at it got a bolt, you know, a kind of a jolt of, of success. And they're like, well, let's stay in it. Mm-hmm. And so that all happened at once. And we were part of that. I mean, we were one of the new businesses that were there were competing for eyeballs. So it's um, so that was probably the biggest thing that we had to adjust as we think about just the basic economics of how we run that part of the business. I mean, how do you think about competing now? Because yeah, I've heard this from quite a few guests that ads are crazy right now. CPMs are crazy. A lot of new incumbents popping up that you know can kind of promise anything, even if maybe they don't have the back end to always fulfill it. And so it seems hard for a consumer right now to know like, okay, this is a hundred year old company. They've got it figured out versus this is a new company that's maybe just testing some messaging with me to see if this will stick. What ways are you finding to kind of, you know, get through the noise and find your customers and keep them sticky where they keep coming back? Well, the really good thing is, is that on the acquisition side, the Purdue name has a lot of equity and it's definitely something we have seen to be extremely powerful in when we're going out to acquire customers in terms of powerful relating in terms of being more efficient. Mm -hmm. So that's been fantastic. And the other thing we've done is we have started looking at other ways of acquiring customers outside of digital and kind of using things that were really much more traditional, like print media, which, you know, is still a very, very big part of direct marketing. And so we're using those things. And, And honestly, I think this is where existing companies that were direct marketers that even had strong e-commerce businesses, a lot of them started as print direct mailers and had either stopped or significantly curtailed that part of their business. That was an experience, you know, at a prior life. But you know, everyone's stuck at home. So suddenly your mailbox now is like a little bit of like a like a like a treasure trove. It's like fun. Yeah, exactly. And so we found that that was actually a really good way for us to start to effectively and efficiently drive new customers. What we see is on the retention side is our retention rates are much stronger than I would have expected in a regular direct marketing business. And I think that that very much speaks to two things. One is the quality of product that we're putting in front of consumers is, um, you know, we've had a hundred years to figure this thing out. And so that part, I think we do really well on. And then the other part is, is that the brand is just, people do know the brand. And so if you know anybody in the East Coast, they've probably heard of us. The people, even on the West Coast, you know, you might've lived on the East Coast at one point. And so you recognize it at least. And now there's things that are available for you. Yeah. The other thing I would say that's really different between, you know, just, I want to be super clear about it, is that Purdue is primarily a fresh chicken business. So when you go into a supermarket and buy Purdue chicken, you're either buying, you know, maybe it's one of our prepared products in the frozen case, but in the, but, but the chicken you would buy from us primarily is in the fresh case. When you buy anything from the direct-to-consumer business, it's all frozen. And so it's, it's also a different use case. The consumer is not necessarily buying chicken from PurduePharms.com, having it shipped to their house to eat chicken that night. And so they're using it much more for freezer stocking. We have a lot of gift purchases. Um, and so there's, there's multiple uses of our site versus the use cases of someone walking into you know, a local grocery store and buying our product there. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. 
For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office, and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily, a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're going to go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't talk about publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Were there ever any tricky conversations when it came to working with your retailers where maybe they saw, okay, oh, Purdue is now going online. They're going direct to consumer. Now I have to compete with that. Like, how did you kind of balance those conversations so that they didn't feel like they were about to get cannibalized? Yeah. On the knife's edge is how we balance them. Yeah. Um, it's really important because look, you know, no matter how big our direct to consumer business is here, it's not ever going to be as big as the mothership. It's just not going to be. It's, it's part of our ability to provide our product to consumers where they want to consume it. The companies that we supplied chicken to under their own brands, you know, some of them were concerned and we had real open, transparent conversations with them. And, you know, look, the, the things that kind of got them over the hump were, first of all, we're not going to compete with you on price. We are going to be more expensive because, you know, we have those relationships with you and you guys provide a certain value that we don't need to get into that space. That's one thing. And the other thing is that it's a really big market and people are now consuming in multiple different ways. And we feel that by having this offering, we're able to provide another way for the consumer to buy the product and just kept that communication going. And then I think the other part that really helped a lot is that, you know, our second pillar of the strategy was much more around getting people to buy Purdue product anywhere. And so what we haven't yet built out on the site primarily because COVID kind of derailed that part of the strategy we were so focused on kind of shoring up the direct-to-consumer business, is that second pillar is really around getting consumers from the anywhere on any digital experience you're having at Purdue brand anywhere to ultimately buy that product at a retailer. And so we have partnerships with things like PriceSpider, with Whisk, different kinds of shoppable content, we're actually, our Purdue recipes are on all the Samsung digital devices. So you can actually buy Purdue chicken through the direct-to-consumer site on your refrigerator if you have one of those Samsung high-end refrigerators. I don't, but that sounds awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. I mean, it's what other way would you want to get your chicken? I mean, it's the first place you're going to know where you're at a chicken. And so while you can buy it directly from us, the experience that we're very much in the process of designing and developing is making it very easy for the consumer when they're in the process on our site to be able to say, look, I want to convert at Walmart. I want to take your chicken, the Purdue chicken that I found on your website, but I want to buy it at my next visit to Walmart, or I want to do my, I want to, you know, do the click and collect um, experience at Walmart. And so WISC is a technology that we use. We have it on the Purdue.com site, as well as the PurduePharms.com website. That allows you to do that. It allows you to take a product and literally drop it into your basket if you've signed in at multiple retailers. Mm-hmm. You know, they know if the product is in stock or not. And so they're able to recommend other products. I think the partnership between we have a direct to consumer business, but we're very much concerned about driving traffic 
to your local retail, our local retailers to buy the Purdue product. Plus, here's all the other stuff you can buy at the local retailers. Those conversations actually go pretty well, but sort of like, wait, now you're going to be a demand driver for us? Okay, we like that. Yeah. I think with the advent of COVID, they're all building and ensuring up their digital experiences. They very much get it. I mean, the number of people that are shopping on their websites. I mean, you know, go back three years, what retailer had a really any halfway decent experience to buy yeah. food online? Maybe two. Yeah. And so we're now, I think, a strong partner at the table when they're thinking about digital experiences. And so we're not, you know, there's clearly some competition, but it's very much a place where we both realize we can satisfy the consumer for different experiences and we're bringing different things to the table. And let's figure out how we can partner with each other so we both win. Yeah. So, I mean, you have a unique viewpoint into all these conversations. So I want to ask, what are these retailers asking of you all? Like, what requests are you getting? What do you hear that they want right now when it comes to, you know, partnering with a company like you? What are they requesting? Even if it's very futuristic, even if it's crazy, they're like asking for things where you're like, that can't happen for another 10 years. But I just want to hear how they're thinking. Yeah, sure. So um, I would say that the most leading edge, bleeding edge things that we're doing, we're probably doing with Sam's Club right now, which we're in the process of launching. You would go on to Sam's Club's website and you would buy Purdue chicken from Sam's Club. But PurduePharms.com is going to ship it to you. And so what these retailers are doing is they're trying to figure out with partners like us who have the ability to send product directly to the consumer. How can these customers be a conduit to getting consumers that product faster? I think a lot of organizations are taking the step of we, Purdue, would have to deliver our chicken to the warehouse at Sam's Club. And then you would buy it at Sam's Club and Sam's Club would ship it to you or Sam's Club would do it, click and collect. Sam's Club is being you know, more forward thinking. They're thinking, look, someone's going to come to our website and we just want them to leave with the product they want to leave with. If that means they can get it in the store, great. If that means that Sam's can deliver it to them, that's great. But if that means we can get a partner to ship it to them, the customer doesn't, why would the consumer care about that? They wouldn't, they just want the product. So we, Purdue, because now we have our own e-commerce business here, direct-to-consumer business, we have the capabilities internally to do that, to have those conversations and solve those problems for our sales and marketing teams internally, it makes us a stronger partner for companies like Sam's Club. So that's an example. I think the other things that we're trying to think about, and this is, you know, I think we're both asking questions this way is, you know, how do you leverage each other's social media? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you think about consumers interacting digitally with our brands? So it's more transparent of, you know, when you go to Sam's Club and you start talking about the quality of chicken, Sam's Club doesn't raise chickens. Purdue raises chickens. So who do you want developing and talking to the consumers about chicken husbandry? Is it the retailer or is who is it the people like Purdue who actually grow the product? And how do you do that? Do you do that through digital experiences? Do you do that through you know things like email and video and visits to farms virtually? Those are all things that we're in the process of kind of working on with them. Yeah, I always think there's a lot of interesting details that happen behind the scenes at companies that should be shared more. And you're starting to kind of see those trends pop up on TikTok where it's like, oh, look how this one thing is made or look what a factory looks like when it's doing this. 
And I think consumers are at this place now where they kind of want to know what's happening behind the scenes. And mm -hmm. it's also just interesting. Mm -hmm. and if companies lean more into that, uh, it could at least be a little bit of a bump in the marketing campaign just to tell the, you know, the story behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, look, there, you know, at the end of the day, we raise animals for food, right? And yeah. so I think, you know, it's important. Yours is trickier. <laughs> it's trickier, but just, yeah. just to be really clear, you know, we take that, it's a big responsibility for us. And it's a big responsibility for how we manage the communication with the consumer. We're very transparent about what we do. It's we have an animal welfare meeting every year where we have consumers that come, we have our customers come, and we have several organizations that are animal welfare groups that come because we want to hear about the things that we can do better. And so, yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for us to be able to kind of communicate what we do and how we do it in that way. Yeah. And why things matter. Like I, I know now you look at all these packages and it's always, you know, I was just talking to a beauty company the other day and it was like, you know, companies are all like, know this, know that, know that. And she was kind of highlighting why some of the things that companies aren't using in products anymore are actually not that bad, but this, they've gotten to know everything and less is more. But also I feel like there's a lot of education still needed when it comes to, you know, what does that actually mean when it says, you know, something doesn't have antibiotics or something's humanely raised. It seems like yeah, people can kind of say anything these days and having a company who can come in and be like, here's what this actually means when it's on our package. Here's what happens behind the scenes could be very valuable as well. Yeah. So we, you know, it's one of the things, again, because it's a family run company, Jim Perdue, our chairman is feeding this chicken to his children and his grandchildren. It's not that big corporation where, you know, we're worrying about like, just, we got to get super profitable. I mean, obviously our company that's worrying about making money, but it's kind of our values are very much rooted in the way this company was started. And while it's a business, it very much is concerned about raising animals in kind of the most ethical way. So we're not just worried about like what the criteria is to do it. We very often are the ones that are helping develop what the criteria should be kind of on the leading edge of that. And so you know, as an example of that, we're looking at kind of more humane ways to raise the animals. The other thing is, you know, this idea around transparency is that you know, any organization can call up our company and literally probably get on a farm within 24 hours, anywhere we have one. We don't really have anything to hide because we really feel good about what we do and how we do it. As the marketing person for the company as well, I think what we're getting better at, and it's COVID kind of gave us a little bit of a speed bump, is figuring out what and how to communicate that to consumers. So they understand what we all know in the organization, which is we don't think you should buy any other chicken other than Purdue because of literally the care and respect that, that we have for what we do as an organization, both with our associates, the relationships we have with our farmers, partnerships we have with our customers, you know, and ultimately how we take care of the chickens. Yeah, I love that. So when thinking about, you know, the future, what projects are you most excited about? What maybe moonshot bets are you all taking right now in the company? So I would tell you that it's a little bit of just getting really good at the basics. I think that's kind of the first step. There's a lot of things that COVID changed in the industry, both in terms of how we work with associates in our harvest facilities. You know, labor is now a huge constraint given where it was three years ago, you know, it's just a different, it's just that part of it's a different environment. So I think on our production and our husbandry um, areas, there's a lot of things the company is doing to think more about kind of long-term, how to make that kind of a strategic advantage for the organization. On the marketing side, what we're trying to do there is develop, you know, the marketing platform that 
can clearly communicate to consumers what we did historically, what Frank Perdue did, where you know, it took a tough man to make a tender chicken. Everybody still talks about that. Everybody still in the Northeast remembers that if you're kind of over 35 years old. We've lost a little bit of that. So, and the industry's changed. There's much more competition than there was. So, from a marketing perspective, the idea is really how to figure out how to communicate what we do, how we do it in a way that consumer values. And then I think from a product innovation, we're just going to continue to develop fantastic products. So one of the products we're super excited about is, you know, in this area of vegetable protein, you know, produce an animal protein company. So the approach that we took into it was the combination of plants and animals. And so we developed uh, the Chicken Plus product, which for every serving, you get a quarter a cup of vegetables with it. So that's great. And the real unlock there was like, you said you have children. Thought about that. Like, I need that. There you go. <laughs> Sneak it in however you can. <laughs> so that's exactly it. I mean, exactly what you said, you know, literally has a quarter cup of vegetables in every serving of chicken nuggets. You know, we market to the parents. The message is very much around kind of like, you know, I don't want to say sneaking it in, but you get to take a vegetable product and deliver it to your children. So they're getting kind of a much more healthy version. We're trying to figure out other ways, you know, to do things that are like that. We're, um, as opposed to, and we're not adverse to it. I just don't think that it's probably not a place that we're going to be very strong in, in the near term is, you know, all vegetable protein, because we see what we're doing in the, in the blended space and it's been really successful. So we think there's still some opportunity there to press the gas harder. Yeah. Good. I need to, I need to pick some of that up for, uh, my boys, I feel like they would love that. All the blended things. Yeah. Everybody. And you can't tell that honestly, you know, you can't, well, yeah. I want to be careful about making a claim. <laughs> yeah. Dun, dun, dun. You really, it's really, really hard to tell the difference. You know, even if you put two side by side, they're just fantastic. So I'd highly recommend. Yeah. Okay. Stomach growling already. The last piece I wanted to touch on is, you know, you've been in the B2B space that shifts to B2C and kind of seen that whole world for a while. And I want to hear what opportunities you see right now when it comes to B2B companies? Because we've seen you know, a slow uptick when it comes to actually moving online, maybe also trying out the B2C model. So I'm just wondering how you're viewing that landscape right now and maybe you know, what you would advise companies who are B2B even thinking about going digital right now. Do it. Do it. Do it. It's going to happen one way or another. And I think hopefully most of them are thinking about it already. I think it was maybe 10 years ago you know, even in the spaces that I was looking at, there were a lot of people that were talking to the marketing people that were kind of in my circles in the B2B space about how do we leverage what's worked well and direct the consumer and bring that to B2B. Mm -hmm. I would tell you that the, the opportunities are the higher end of the sales funnel. So where you generate those marketing qualified leads for an organization, that's where the direct to consumer marketer can add a lot of value in a B2B marketing organization by helping and educating the organization in terms of that top part of the funnel of getting these marketing qualified, you know, large volumes of qualified leads in through digital kind of acquisition channels and then scoring them literally. So when they become kind of a sales qualified lead, they um, they come with a lot of equity with them, as opposed to, you know, maybe the way a traditional kind of less analytical or less digitally focused organization would operate is, you know, they got a list of cards, just going to start taking them off. And so the thing about being more digitally focused and having people that are thinking digitally is they're automatically thinking more analytically. And so they're thinking about optimizing 
getting you know the most leads per dollar then the question is the most qualified leads per dollar the question is what is qualified and so when you start to work down from you know this broad funnel to getting something that's very efficient it's no different than any direct marketing person would be saying i need to efficiently acquire a new customer through a keyword on google and now it seems like it's the perfect time to also find those folks i mean there's so many people who kind of have gotten into you know D2C and running marketing for them. And I mean, the talent pool is there, just has to be tapped into. So that's, yeah, cool thinking about how to think about that from a B2B angle. Yeah, they're in large demand. And then the other thing I would just say, I mean, I I think it's probably been overstated, but I'll continue to bang the nail is just definitely think mobile first because, you know, everybody carries around a phone and, you know, from a development perspective. And when you think about, you know, creating messaging and creative, you know, you need to really create it for this device and not the laptop or the, or the desktop. In many cases, you know, people, they're still, you know, they're using that phone as a work tool as well as an entertainment tool. Yeah. I wonder at what point we will just, you know, walk into a meeting and just have our phone, plug it into, you know, a monitor or something. And that's just kind of all we need in the future. I can't believe it's that far away. Yeah. I mean, look how fast we adopted Zoom. Mm-hmm. I know. Exactly. Next year, maybe a couple of years. Well, David, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you on. Where can our listeners find out more about Purdue Farms and yourself? So you can go to purduefarms.com or purdue.com. We've got all the information about the company and uh, the products that we sell and the organization itself is there. Amazing. All right. Thanks, David. Thank you. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.